Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Neighbors, this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. And by the way, he's the first of two Kirks who will join us this week. We'll also hear from Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. And that other Kirk, he's Kirk Heiner, and he's editor-in-chief of appletel.com. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, joining us first is Kirk McElhern. And as we begin this episode, he has just finished writing some pithy commentaries on his site, which is McElhern.com, subtitled Kirkville, Writings About More Than Just Max by Kirk McElhern. So, Kirk, your first piece that went up this week is How Will the Mac App Store Sandboxing Affect You? But, Kirk, I think you need to explain to our listeners what is sandboxing all about? It's not what happened with Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys where he hung out in a sandbox when writing his music. It has nothing to do with that. Or does it? Not, nothing at all. It's an interesting metaphor. Um, I know. That- I like to do things like that, especially those that make no sense. <laughs> That is as mixed a metaphor as you will ever hear in your life. Not, not yours. I mean the metaphor of sandboxing with regards to computers. The image is in a sandbox a child can play and do whatever they want. But there Brian are limits Wilson to that sandbox. Beach Boys, you see? Okay, okay. Um, but there are limits to that sandbox, and the child can't play outside the wooden barriers or whatever that surround the sandbox. Of course, these days, do you let kids play in sandboxes with all the dogs and cats and – Well, anyway, with computers, sandboxing is a security term. It essentially means that an application, when it's running, it's in a sort of a closed space and it can't access anything other than very specific files. So you can see this on iOS with an iPhone or an iPad. If you use a text editor, if you use an application like Pages, for instance, and you create a file and you save that file, other applications can't access this normally. So the point of sandboxing, which has been very successful with iOS, is to limit the risk of applications and what they can do so they can't damage files, so they can't potentially have bugs that damage the system. Now, what's negative about sandboxing is there are an awful lot of applications that do need access to the entire system. And and a good example is if you're cloning your Mac, if you're doing a backup, you want to backup all your files, not just the files in your home folder. If you want an application that can, for instance, change file names, let's say you have a thousand photos, you want to change all the file names, there are applications that can do this, but they won't be able to do this anymore under sandboxing. Now, I understand that Apple will have something that we are calling entitlements, which is not Social Security or Medicare, but it is various ways in which you can communicate from one app to another in terms of accessing system functions, such as calling the file system, etc. So you're saying that the sandboxing won't allow for a backup cloning application to work because those entitlements won't be available? No, generally, the entitlements, and and I've talked to a number of developers with regards to very specific applications that they run, some of them have the problem that it's not even clear what entitlements will be approved. And In other words, Apple hasn't really set out the ground rules. But I think the, the first type of application that won't have access is something that wants to access the entire file system, to read files from the entire file system. You may be able to 
display an open dialog and let a user choose a file, but the user can't open a file in from certain locations, such as the, the system folder. Understood, but you could copy a file, couldn't you? Well, you'd have to copy it from the finder and then open it with the application, because as long as you have an administrator's account, you can still copy files from the finder. You may need to, to log in. You may need to give your username and password in order to have permission, but you will have that access. But this, of course, makes things very complicated. Why should we have to jump through hoops when we already do things without that much trouble? In other words, when Apple introduced iOS, this was a new, even though this is based on Mac OS X, this was a new operating system. And I think a lot of what they wanted to do was to be very careful not knowing how things were going to work. Well, this has turned out to be very successful. And in many ways, Apple wants to replicate this on the Mac side. Now, this sandboxing, you have to understand, it's not applying to Mac OS in general. It's applying to applications sold through the Mac App Store. So developers will still be able to sell these applications. They just won't be able to get that sort of you know, featured display in the Mac App Store, which is really a very practical way for people to buy software. So it's not that these applications will be 100% forbidden. It's just that Apple won't sell them. Since more and more people are buying from the Mac App Store, and it, it is very practical to buy from it, this will, for a number of developers, limit their sales. Well, this is really one of the conundrums that developers are facing. Apple has a deadline that will have been initiated when you folks hear the show. June 1st. Yes, You'll be hearing the this show June. on June 2nd. So it's already going to be into effect, and we got to see what's going to happen. Now, I gather that apps that already have been approved will remain approved, at least for the time being, but new apps will have to conform to the sandboxing regulations. Now, another area where we have concerns about, for example, is audio capture software. There are apps, for example, that can capture multiple audio streams. So think about our setup here. We have an analog mixer that's one source. The second source is Skype for networking and communicating with people on other Skype connections or with their telephones. The third is Soundboard from Ambrosia Software, which allows us to have like a virtual cart machine where we can play sound effects with the show or just add bumpers and announcements and things. And, of course, we have to mix the software to capture the audio from those three streams in a program right now called Wiretap Studio from Ambrosia, and they're confronting this dilemma too. If they want to be in the Mac App Store, how are they going to do this sort of stuff legally? And it's a feature that shouldn't hurt anybody if Apple provides the official tools. What's wrong with capturing audio and making a recording of it? Exactly. And I even point this out in my article. Uh, I use a different program, Audio Hijack Pro from Rogue Amoeba, but it does the same thing as Wiretap. This sort of thing is tapping into the system at a level which won't be allowed and there won't be entitlements. At least we don't think there will be because, again, Apple's been moving the, the goalposts. Initially, what, was it November 1st that they were going to introduce Sandbox and then they pushed it back to March and then they pushed it back to June? A lot of developers who try to get information really can't get any. Now, you mentioned earlier um, that this is applying to new applications. So if you have an existing application that is doing a certain thing, as long as you don't add new features to that application, you can keep it in the Mac App Store. You can make um, bug fix releases, but you can't add new features to it. So these things are grandfathered in. Now, however, if it's such a big deal to have sandboxing, why even allow them to continue doing these things that you don't want them to do? I suppose it's just, at that point, the impact to developers that why inconvenience developers who obey the rules. They might have a deadline. They might say, well, 
now that sandboxing is in effect and it's succeeded or whatever, we don't know what Apple is going to do. They may suggest that developers have 90 days, six months, whatever, to update their apps to bring them into conformity. Otherwise, their existing versions will go bye-bye. Right, but that's not what they've said so far. Now, it, it's obvious that Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, which I think is from the 11th to the 15th of right. June, um, is going to be a moment when Apple's going to give some clarification on this. Um, at least this is what developers are hoping. Because for now, again, there are too many things that are up in the air. There are, there are a lot of developers who aren't sure if they're going to be able to continue to add features to their apps um, what, would, what would a developer do? Let's say they have an app that sells well in the Mac App Store, and it has to be sort of frozen. Would they make a new version of the same app and sell two versions, one with more features? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and, of course, what, what's more complicated, and I know um, some developers who are already trying to work out the best way to do this, you've got people – who bought Mac App Store applications, they can't get an update from the developer directly because the developer doesn't know who they are. So a lot of developers are trying to figure out ways to sort of allow people to cross-grade from an older Mac App Store version to the version that they sell on their website. We have Kirk McElher, an author and commentator. A lot more about sandboxing and its impact to you on a Tech Night Owl Live. This is typical for many companies these days. Your colleagues work at home. Your colleagues are traveling for business. But you need to get everyone together for an important corporate meeting. Well, I have a solution for you, neighbors. Go to meeting with HD Faces. You see, this way your team can meet face-to-face -face while online, no matter where in the world they are. And it takes only seconds to set up. You see, go to meeting by Citrix allows you to collaborate on files and plans online. And with HD Faces, you just need a webcam to turn your online meetings into a group HD video conference. Of course, you need a computer with HD. We assume you have that. You want to see how easy GoToMeeting with HD Faces is? Well, my listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST to get that free 30-day trial of GoToMeeting with HD Faces. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government over? extends itself and spends beyond its means. Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. 
I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and Body Extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for long and healthy life. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We're selling helium on the side through the App Store, so you can make your voice sound like that or sound like Alvin of the Chipmunks. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. The topic on display this week is right now sandboxing. Apple's efforts to wall off each application from the other. They can only talk to each other in the operating system through entitlements, which will be various functions that can be accessed by developers. And we're trying to think here what's going to happen to applications that have functions like capturing audio from other apps or doing clone backups of your Mac. How are they going to survive? What's going to happen? I gather it's going to be rather confusing because there will have to be a lot of questions that will have to be answered, hopefully at the Mac Developer Conference. So the other question here is, with Apple, are they just going to ultimately force developers by deed that the best place to go, of course, is the Mac App Store, that independent developers are going to have problems getting their products sold? Well, this is certainly possible. Um, Many developers have seen huge bumps in sales because of the Mac App Store. So if they all of a sudden find that the software that they make, and particularly developers of utilities, this isn't a problem generally with games. It is with some productivity software, but utilities is is the big area that's touched. So if these people are used to, you know, half of their sales going through the Mac App Store, and all of a sudden that gets cut out from under them, it's going to be detrimental to, to the developers. So what's going to happen with Mac apps as a result of what Apple is doing The law of unintended consequences. Do you think Apple is going to be forced to basically relinquish some of that control to give developers more freedom? What could they do? Well, it's a tough call. I've seen a couple of people suggesting that maybe there's 
room for some sort of a lawsuit. I don't think you can sue someone for the rules of what they sell in their store. You can't sell a bookstore if they decide not to sell a book for whatever reason. You can't sell a record store because they don't want to sell a certain genre of music. One thing that annoys a lot of developers is that Apple's applications break these rules. So Apple's getting this unfair advantage, which makes you remember the sort of Microsoft, you know, Internet Explorer issue um, some years back. So that could have some sort of effect on, you know, what the long-term result of this decision is. Now, Kirk, we should explain what we're talking about here is that Internet Explorer had direct access to the operating system. So it could take right. advantage of certain features, performance improvements, but anybody else's browser didn't have that advantage. They couldn't access those system tools. Of course, these days, Internet Explorer is losing market share despite all the updates, despite the improvements. In fact, one estimate had Google's Chrome being more popular than Internet Explorer. You know, when this whole Internet Explorer issue was going on, computers were so much slower that there really was a difference in how long uh, it took a browser to render a page. Now the difference between one browser and another is a half a second. So it's a moot point. And basically, Internet Explorer has lost its market share because of other features that other browsers offer. You mean like it's a piece Um, of junk? Well, I don't know. I haven't used it in so long. Um, but, you know, Firefox with the ability to have all sorts of add-ons, um, Chrome, which does seem to render, you know, more quickly, which uses WebKit. There, there are many reasons. But back in the day, this really was a big issue because we were, we were waiting sometimes 30 seconds or more for a web page to render. And, and this was without fancy videos and graphics. And, you know, th- these were simpler pages back then. God, I feel old when I say that. You know, you're going to tell your grandchildren, oh, if you only knew what it was like, you'd connect with a modem. It would make all these noises. You know, he starts to get the Jewish accent. He's not Jewish. It's because I'm from you know, New York. I mean, obviously, I'm he's from a young, New York. I grew up well, in a I Jewish neighborhood. Too, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Westchester. <laughs> Sorry, was that a question? <laughs> he can't do it like I can. No, I did. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. A lot of my friends were Jewish. Um, for, for a bunch of years, I lived on the Upper West Side. And so you pick that up in New York. You learn Yiddish, you get the accent. It's just normal. Well, normal is not my middle name. <laughs> I knew someone when I lived in Queens who lived on Normal Road. I would have loved to have that address and make business cards. <sighs> There's some pretty wild towns in Pennsylvania. I don't want to say what they are. Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Blue Ball, Pennsylvania. I said it. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, I, I live in a town called Gap, G-A-P, like the, like the clothes store. By the way, they're suing him for trademark infringement. Him? Me? That's right. I didn't, I didn't make up the name. Yes, you did. It's your fault. Okay. Anyway. You were saying. Where were we? I don't know. We were talking about the future of the Mac App Store and where things are going, how developers will cope. I suppose we're going to have to leave this discussion where it is and see what Apple does. As you know, of course, Apple has a feature called Gatekeeper in the next version of Mac OS X Mountain Lion, where there will be three options about apps. Run everything. Run applications that have a security certificate from Apple, in other words, approved that the application is safe, will not generate malware, and the Mac App Store, the default will be choice number two. You'll be able to defeat this choice, but what this is doing is kind of sort of forcing people to go to the App Store. Yeah, but, uh, well, a couple things about Gatekeeper. It's really good if you have kids, 
and you don't want them to be able to download and install applications. Uh, as it stands now, there are certain applications that you need for which you need an administrator's account and password to install, but there are others, as you know, you mount a disk image, you drag an application into a folder, you can install it. Um, with Gatekeeper, you'll be able to protect, prevent your kids um, from installing anything. Yeah, watch those uh, kids. If it doesn't oh, come yeah, from the Mac watch app. those kids. Well, I'm sure they'll find a way around it, but I, I, I see the logic for that. Um, I don't really see the logic for an average user to want to put that setting on to only use Mac App Store software. Maybe in businesses... Um, they want to prevent people from installing things is certainly possible. Um, but for an average user, I just I don't see the point. Well, it's one of those things that works for promotion, so we have to see where it goes. So we have Gatekeeper. Right. We have Sandboxing. We'll know more, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, yeah. Over at com, you have a story about Ping. Ping. Do you remember Ping? So as I've said so, to many people... Apple introduced Ping, it went Pong. Explain what it was, is, whatever. Ping was introduced in, let's see, September 2010 um, as part of iTunes 10, and it was what Steve Jobs called at the time a social network for music. It was basically a way to share information uh, from about content from the iTunes store, and it shows up if you want in iTunes. You have a page, and, and it's got a, a, an entry in the sidebar in iTunes, um, and you can get all sorts of different information. And the idea was that people would create pages for their profiles, and bands would create pages. You'd follow them, and you'd share information, kind of you know, like a Facebook thing. Unfortunately, it was such a resounding failure um, that – even at the time, well, I, I wrote a first, well, a hands-on article um, for uh, Macworld back in September 2010, and I was extremely hesitant, and I said um, a number of reasons, one in particular, that you could only talk about content that was in the Mac App Store on Ping. You couldn't add an, you couldn't mention an album that wasn't there. And for me, I, back then, I said that I really didn't think this was going to work very well. So therefore, now, it went Tim, Pong, and we'll go into what Tim Cook said at the All Things Digital D10 conference in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
You don't need to be a bodybuilder to benefit from whey protein. Besides building muscle, whey protein supports glutathione production, your body's number one antioxidant and detoxifier, helps with weight loss, and may help with strength, energy, youthful appearance, and a healthier libido. Why is it that no one is reporting these broad-spectrum benefits from typical whey protein powders? Because all but one of them are damaged by heat, filtration, or chemicals. Fresh Liquid Whey has been used for hundreds of years to restore health to the sick and youth to the aged. One World Whey is a brand new protein powder that retains the broad-spectrum health-giving benefits of fresh raw whey. Hundreds of people have reported tremendous improvements in all aspects of health. Kids and adults love the flavor and the effects. Call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Attention mindless criminals, thugs, and thieves. Go ahead, break a leg. American homeowners are fed up with your door kick-ins and forced entries. We now dare you to try your boot against any door reinforced with the Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel pack includes a steel door jam plate with three and a half inch screws, a lock shield, and hinge shields. The Door Sentinel installs in minutes, securing any front, side, or back doors, even French doors. Criminals, be forewarned, your lake will break before the Door Sentinel will budge. Even if you have an alarm system, back it up with the Door Sentinel. Basic products starting under $20. Order your Door Sentinel today for your home, garage, or any building you own or rent at MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com or call 678-648-6757. That's 678-648-6757. Get your peace of mind back with Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel. Always on guard. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. We're talking about Apple's efforts to have kind of a social networking service with iTunes called Ping. And Kirk wrote an article for Macworld back when it first debuted in 2010, right? Yeah. I wrote a hands-on, which was basically, you know... You basically said hands-off. Um, I said that I was pretty negative about it. Over time, it's sort of proven to be the case. You know, one of the, one of the things that you kind of expect from something like this is that when it gets popular, you'll hear about it. You'll see people... Uh, posting on Twitter and Facebook and 
things like that. And this is something that just never happens. When I posted this article about Ping, I posted on Twitter and someone replied, you know, I had totally, I had to think for a second what Ping was because it would just, it's just so much under the radar that people just don't remember. And, and this isn't new, you know, it's been, it happened pretty quickly. Most of the people, most of the, my Mac using friends and tech journalists created Ping accounts on day one because, you know, it's a new feature. We've got to check it out. And pretty quickly, everyone just stopped looking at it and turned it off in iTunes and ignored it. So Tim Cook finally said it in the All Things Digital conference that basically he said, and I quote, we tried Ping and the customer voted and said, this isn't something I want to put a lot of energy into. So it's pretty clear that this isn't going to last and Apple's going to have to move on. That the idea of a social network that's so limited just doesn't make sense. I think the hope was to get Facebook involved, to make this a doorway or gateway to Facebook, but Apple and Facebook haven't been able to get together. There are intimations in the D10 conference that maybe Cook is hinting they will get together someday. Well, one of the suggestions when Ping was launched was that there were rumors going around that the day before the launch, negotiations between Apple and Facebook just failed, that initially there was supposed to be a stronger link. Now, you can post stuff to Facebook from iTunes, but I think even if this link was stronger, I don't think people are going to use a social network in iTunes. I think a social network is either for the web or for a specific, you know, or or, or like with Twitter where you have separate Twitter clients um, if you want to not use a, a website. But sort of walling it off inside the iTunes application app makes absolutely no sense. People aren't going to go there to look for stuff that interests them. And limiting this social network to music initially is just foolish. A social network is about everything. People share articles they read. People share funny pictures and cat videos and stuff. It's obvious when you see how Facebook and Twitter work that something like Ping just doesn't fit. Well, I guess what Apple is just going to have to do is do what every other site does nowadays. You have links to share your content, your comments to one of the social networks. We all have that. We have that on our forums. We have that on our blogs. And that's sufficient to get the thing across. Apple doesn't have to develop anything but just use the APIs from those services. Well, they have them. If, you, if you're in the iTunes store... Sure. Well, therefore, you, it's not necessary to do anything else. Just kind of let the thing die. Give up on it. But you know what's interesting is I almost never see, either on Facebook or on Twitter, never see people posting anything from the iTunes store. Never. Once every six months, I follow a couple hundred people on Twitter. A lot of them are fellow journalists, but a lot of them are musicians and you know friends and things like that. Um, I've got a lot of friends on Facebook. I almost never see anyone post anything using these share on Facebook or share on Twitter links from the iTunes store. Well, there you go. So Apple knows about that. Now, looking over what Apple said over at the All Things Digital conference, did you get any strong hints of anything from Tim Cook other than he drank the Apple Kool-Aid and he knows how to handle it? Well, there were some intimations about TV, but still nothing to, to make it clear whether Apple's going to build an actual TV with a screen or just keep focusing on the Apple TV as we know it, the little box. Um, uh, personally, I, I just think the idea of them building a full TV set makes very little sense when they can put it all into that box that you just plug into the TV in your stereo. I think um, what Apple could do, and this is my opinion, which you can take and throw in the garbage as far as I'm concerned. I think what Apple can do is make 
the Apple TV more of a gateway to a TV. So, for example, you want to adjust your TV, the TV makers develop apps for Apple TV. So you can adjust your TV using one of those apps. As far as your cable and satellite services, you use an app. You don't have to replace your satellite or cable service. As a matter of fact, if Apple tried to do that thing online, it would be impossible because of bandwidth caps. Yeah, if you look at the current Apple TV interface since the latest major update, it's clear that those little rectangles are just crying out for open spaces to put more little rectangles. And it would make sense that you could either download free apps or buy apps from the Mac App Store. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more limits to what you can do on a TV, so there probably won't be you know hundreds of thousands of apps. But hey, maybe they've got some new remote control. There's going to be games that they can sell that will work on the Apple TV. As you said, for, for cable, for maybe you'll buy an app for a specific show and you'll get the episodes of the show, but you'll also get access to additional content. You know, there are all sorts of possibilities. And, and it, again, it looks like the interface is ready for that. And this just makes so much more sense than, than Apple building a TV set. You know, how often do people replace TVs? Most people, maybe 10 years? I think the average is seven years. Okay, so seven years. When the Apple TV device itself is, what, $99, you can buy a new one easily. You don't need to worry about replacing your entire TV because you don't need to because, you know, the technology hasn't changed enough. So a little device that acts as an interface seems to make a lot more sense to me. Well, I think it'll make more sense from every standpoint. I think that Apple can replace everything of your TV other than the screen if you can control everything on your TV set and maybe work out deals with different TV makers to have more control of the hardware, hey, that's fine. What do you need any more than that? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I Personally, the idea of, of, of buying a TV from a specific company for specific features like that just doesn't seem to fit with the way people buy TVs. Now, I have to consider what happens with specialty TVs like Bose has something. A Video Vision 46-inch LCD TV. It's $5,000. Why? It's got a tricked-out sound system. But you could buy... $5,000? Yeah, you could buy a regular Bose audio system, surround sound system, for $1,000 or $2,000. Buy a 50-inch plasma TV for $1,000, and you're better off. Yeah, keeping these things modular makes so more sense, so much more sense. Because when you want to replace one of them, you replace it rather than replacing the whole set. Um, a five thousand dollar TV set in a couple of years, if you want to replace it, it's going to have pretty much no value as a used uh, device. You won't be able to sell it and get anything back for it. So you know that's for the rich. And and you know while Apple products are a bit more expensive than others, they don't go to that sort of luxury level. And, you know, there's one other thing to think about. If you're selling TVs, so let's say you've got to have at least three sizes, right? Look how much space that's going to take up in an Apple retail store. I think that they could use the same space and probably make as much money selling iPhone cases or software or, you know, whatever, hard disks, any kind of peripheral um, than to sell TVs. Or what Apple could do is, if that's going to happen, Apple would offer the TV sets at traditional stores that sell that kind of product, like a Walmart or a Best Buy, in their stores, they just take the orders. I can't see it working any other way. 
Yeah, but remember, one of the reasons that Apple makes so much money is that they control the entire chain from manufacture to retail sales, not for all their devices. But every device, every, every object they sell in a, an Apple store that they've made themselves, they're getting all of that profit margin for the distribution and for the retail sales. Which therefore says, so, since that's the only way they can do it, they're not going to do it. My opinion is that the comments Steve Jobs made for the book by Walter Isaacson, the authorized bio, it was said in that way to freak the rest of the industry into doing something, spending millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to defeat a product that will never see the light of day. Will there never, will be that's just total vaporware. Total vaporware, yep. and Jobs is laughing wherever he is up there. That's certainly possible. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. One more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain, not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vol repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise 
raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg we have kirk McElhern, author and commentator so far we've talked about apple's sandboxing feature where supposedly if we take it as something that's going to really happen they're going to limit what application developers could do for stuff that's posted in the Mac App Store. We talked about the failure of Apple's Ping, which has gone pong. That's their attempt to do social networking. And speaking about Tim Cook's appearance at the All Things Digital Conference D10 in Southern California, what he said about Apple TV. You know, winks and nods, we're going to do more, but don't assume it's going to be a full-blown TV. That's the way I take it away. What do you think? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think Apple's got a lot more to work on than going into a new market right now. I think it's clear that the WWDC has some sort of a slogan making it obvious that the Mac is going to be the main focus this time instead of iOS. And I think that Macs, uh, we've talked about this before, I think that they're going to, there's going to be a major marketing push to sell Macs to people who have iOS devices who are already familiar with the concepts in, in the iOS and OS ten operating systems. I think you'll see also the introduction of iOS 6, which will be released in the fall. I think you will also see new Macs. I mean, we're really overdue for new Macs. And one of your colleagues, I'm going to ask him about the comment later, but Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, he's going to be our next guest, by the way, after Kirk leaves the building. He said something very positive about the Mac Pro staying in production. And it seems that, of course, Jim has these contacts at Apple And he says those things, yep, or something like that, and almost always comes to pass. Yeah, Jim's Jim's got good sources. Remember a couple years ago when it was the Apple TV that was the hobby and people were predicting it would disappear and they were predicting the iPod Classic would disappear and they've been predicting the Mac Pro would disappear for years. I think that even if they don't sell a lot of Mac Pros, even if they haven't updated the the design since – 2005 or 2006? The original G5 was what, 2003 or 4. Then became the Mac Pro, and Apple redesigned the internal workings. But it looks the same. 
It looks the same, and the internal stuff hasn't changed since 2006. I think there's a very limited subset of Mac users who want Mac Pros. I mean, I bought one in 2006, and I kept it for about two years. It was overkill for what I do. But anyone who needs multiple hard disks, uh, anyone who needs PCI cards for you know video capture, a number of high-end tasks, and anyone who wants, like, I don't know, 96 cores or whatever you can get now in a Mac Pro, um, that's the computer you want. Now, it's obvious that if you want multiple hard disks, there are other solutions. Unfortunately, they're very expensive using Thunderbolt, which is quite quick, but they're not very affordable yet. So that could replace some of the Mac Pro users who were using it because of, you know, it can hold four internal hard disks and what you can get three terabytes on a disk. So, you know, 12 terabytes is a lot. Well, part Um, of the problem here has been that Intel took its sweet time getting a really compelling update to the Xeon processors. This is the server grade chip that powers a Mac Pro. There's a new one out. It's shipping right now. So to... Have Apple upgrade the Mac Pro is very simple, very inexpensive. You update the logic board with newer componentry. You change the chips. You change the graphics cards. Maybe you offer more options for solid-state drives. You add Thunderbolt, and for a few million dollars, you have a new Mac Pro. Yeah, the changes are limited because the way the Mac Pro is built is extremely flexible inside. There's a lot of room. Some of that room, of course, is to to have an airflow going through it to cool things off. But there's a a lot of room. It's pretty easy to move things around inside the Mac Pro. So it it wouldn't be hard for them to do it if they wanted to keep the same box for the Mac Pro. Would they change to something smaller? Uh, They certainly don't need something that big. But people who are buying a computer like that, they don't care about the size of the computer. They care about, you know, how much room's inside and how powerful it is. Well, I tell you what, I think it's going to happen. I think there's going to be a Mac Pro, and I think Jim Dalrymple revealed it to us. Do you think all the new Macs will be announced over at the WWDC? No, I really don't think so. And it's been a couple of years since there's been new products announced at the WWDC. Um, There was a time when they would announce things like Mac Pros, for instance, because that's the professional computer. But we haven't seen that in quite some – in several years. But now Um, you have the the confluence of new chips from Intel shipping at the right time. This is certainly possible. And, of course, this isn't Steve Jobs. This is Tim Cook. So maybe he's going back to the way it used to be that they would announce pro products at the WWDC. It's a time they're going to get a lot of press. Well, they get a lot of press no matter what they announce and when it is. Um, But this is something that they'll be announcing in front of people who would like this? Because developers, when you're compiling code, you want a computer that's fast, so your compile doesn't take too long. So, you know, this is certainly an audience for the Mac Pro. A new Mac Pro would get an ovation um, during the keynote, that's for sure. And certainly having a special announcement of all the new Macs. One fell swoop, a lot of products will ship in June, and Mac sales will go through the roof. Yeah, and they could also be announcing products to ship in like August, you know, July or August after Mountain Lion comes out. I don't know they'll do that with with computers because it will kill sales of computers. The other thing is here is I don't see Mountain Lion shipping then. And the reason I don't is other than getting hints from developers that there's a lot of work left to do is unless Apple can ship it right then and there with new Macs, it doesn't make sense to have them so close together, just have Mountain Lion ship one week and the new Macs the next, unless you can put them together. The possible solution is have all the new Macs ship in June and have Mountain Lion ship in August or September. Late summer is when they promised it. 
Well, they promised it in summer. They didn't say late summer. But it's obvious that they don't want to be releasing it in September, which is what happened with Snow Leopard, Leopard, one of them, because you get people buying computers in, in August for, for students and you know people going back to school. You don't want to have to buy the computer with one operating system and then update it a month later. That's just a hassle. And in particular, some of these people would have to pay back in the day to get the update. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore since it's downloaded. But y- you want people to get their computer with their operating system so they don't have to hassle. I think Mountain Lion is going to be free. It would make an awful lot of sense to start giving it away because one thing they want is they want people to upgrade. So there are people who don't even want to spend 30 bucks to upgrade their operating system. They want people to have the latest operating system because it's going to be compatible with so many applications because of all of the, the sort of similarities you're going to have between iOS and, and Mountain Lion, you know, apps working together, having the same names, the iCloud integration especially. Um, so it does make sense because $29 isn't a lot, but free is, you know, Freeze nice. And isn't it fun to freak out Microsoft? Because Microsoft has not yet set pricing for Windows 8. So if Apple says... For any of the 17 versions of Windows there 8. There are less versions now. I think there are two versions of Windows 8 for Intel. There's an enterprise version. There's an RT version for ARM-based tablets. So there are four versions of it. Right. But despite but, yeah, that, uh, what is Microsoft going to charge? Microsoft depends on software to make a living. Apple could release right. Mountain Lion free... And it's like releasing the iOS free. It's not a serious impediment to their bottom line because they sell more product. Mm-hmm. And it, it's totally logical. It means it's one, less, it's one less hurdle. It's one less thing to think about. You know that your Mac, if they start doing that, that means that it would be like that in the future. And you know that you'll be able to keep your Mac up to date without having to pay for updates. And if you're coming from a Windows PC and you're used to paying, I don't know, 200 bucks every couple of years for a new version of Windows, that's a really big saving when you consider it. Well, Microsoft is already having troubles getting people to upgrade from Windows XP. I read that Windows XP still has something like 40 or 45% share of the Windows market, and the darn thing came out in 2001. Yeah, I think that they've extended support for it even longer. I mean, it was supposed support was supposed to end this year, and I think they're extending it because there are so many businesses who use it. To be honest, businesses who use it are happy with it. It works. And if you're in a big company, you don't want to upgrade 10,000 computers when you've got 10,000 computers that work. Also, it's not just upgrading the computers. There is some retraining, not so much with Windows 7 and Windows XP. A lot of it is the eye candy, the arrow eye candy. But Windows 8 with Metro, this is major level retraining. There's no start menu. If you click to an older Windows app, you get a very basic display of the Windows interface without arrow, and then you have to go back through a trick keystroke to get back to Metro. It's a very schizophrenic operating system. By the way, Kirk McElhern is not schizophrenic, but he'll tell you right now how to learn more about his stuff. Um, you can go to my website, McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. You can find my articles on Macworld, where I'm the iTunes guy. Uh, where I write about iTunes and many other things. I'm also the editor of the Mac OS X Hints website. And if you look closely, you might even find me on some other websites here and there. Around or the world. on certain radio shows from time to time. Kirk McElhern. There you thanks go. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. I'm glad to be here again, Gene. Thanks. <laughs>
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. He's a guy who is in the know. He hears things, and sometimes he hears things that are true. In fact, more often than not, he hears things that are true. He won't tell us where he gets them from, and maybe not expand on what he hears. I'm going to ask you the official question, Jim Dalrymple. There is a petition out now yes. asking Apple, please don't discontinue the Mac Pro. We can go into the pluses and minuses of that. But you have heard from somewhere that we can be reassured that there will be a new Mac Pro. Is that correct? Well, I don't want to go into to any details. What I said it was that I don't believe that Apple will axe the, the Mac Pro. And that's, that's pretty much the extent of, uh, of what I want to get into it. Okay. And I think when you say that, there are other meanings. We won't try to get hints about them. Okay. Tim Cook goes before the All Things D, D10 conference. I guess is where he faces the press. Not so much intensive questioning. I think most of the questioning was softball, as it usually is. But you get a sense of the guy as a man. He is soft-spoken. He has a good sense of humor. Not afraid to laugh. He is not, as they say, one who suffers the extremes of a Steve Jobs. Well, all, the All Things D conference is kind of unique because when, when these executives go to sit down for you know, an interview with the Wall Street Journal or, or anybody, really, the, the questions are a bit more intense. But at All Things D at the D conference, there, it's, everything is kind of laid back and, and relaxed and Kara and Walt, you know, they, they ask their questions and they, it's more of a conversation. And, um, you know, they, they talk about all kinds of different things as they did with Tim this time, which was, it's really great to hear. It's great to hear Tim's thoughts on, on Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, on China and on a lot of the different things that, that Apple is doing. He expresses a lot of emotion in the things he says. Did you hear that in listening to him talk, this emotion that came across in the printed word? I, I think you almost could. Even in the printed word, you could, you could almost hear uh, Tim's emotion because he's, Tim seems uh, a very straight-up kind of guy. And I think that comes through in, in the way that he speaks. But it also comes through, you know, when that is, is translated into, into the written word. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the way that, 
that Tim conducts himself. Let's look over what he said and what we can infer from it. And first, of course, is all the rumors about an Apple TV being not just a set-top box, but a full-blown TV. He reveals that Apple has sold 2.7 million copies of the 1080p Apple TV as of this month that we're doing the show in May. It's being heard in June. So that's what, roughly twice the sales of the previous model? Yeah, they had uh, 2.8 million all of last year, and they have 2.7 million so far uh, this year. So clearly uh, the the 1080p uh, struck a nerve with customers. But more than that, I think that people are starting to get an idea of what the Apple TV can do for them. You have Netflix on there now, and you you have uh, some of the the different uh, channels that you can go to. Uh, but you also have the the music uh, through iCloud. You have uh, the movies and and television shows that and and not just ones that you want to purchase now, but all the ones that you have previously purchased. So it's becoming this this tiny little box that sits in your living room that allows you to to do a lot of things. And I I really think that that's striking a chord with people. Okay, but how far? does Apple thinking going here? Obviously, you can add apps to the Apple TV. So you can cover all sorts of different things. I was suggesting, for example, well, if Apple's not going to replace your cable or satellite provider, they make a deal to provide apps for your Cox or your Comcast or your DirecTV or whatever. So this way you connect with their connection piece, and all it's doing is passing through that interface going into Apple's unique interface to get the same functions. So therefore, they have a friendlier interface and a friendlier way of reacting, but Apple is not replacing cable or satellite. And I think the big problem there is if Apple did all this online, assuming they get all the content agreements down pat, they have apps for all the stations and networks, the bandwidth caps from the local ISPs will kill them. Well, it, there are a lot of things that I think have to be considered um, you know, certainly that's one, especially with uh, with these 1080p movies, because you're getting up into a few gigs uh, for each movie, uh, yeah, whether you're watching them, you know, streaming from Apple or, or Netflix, all good stuff, good programs. But you're right, there does come a time when, you know, it's going to start affecting the infrastructure of what what the people have. What the, what the company said. Now, you see I limits, for example, Jim, of 200 gigabytes, 400 gigabytes sounds a lot. But you watch TV seven, eight hours a day streaming high-definition content. You use it up in a few days. What kind of limits do you have in Canada? You know, that's a good question. I'm sure that there are limits. I've never been called by by my company and said, you know, you've gone over your your limit. Well, I gather in some places you see it online if you check the terms of service. Cox shows you a bandwidth indicator showing how much you've used. So, for example, even if you're watching TV five, six, seven hours a day, you're going to use a couple of terabytes a month of high-definition content. Yeah. Yeah, you will. I mean, there, like I said, there's a lot of things that have to be straightened out with, with this as we move forward. But, you know, then the big question comes, are we there yet? I don't know. I don't know that we're there yet. So all these reports about Apple sampling, 
a connected TV set. Now, I guess part of that is Apple will produce prototypes of lots of gear that will never see their way into production. It doesn't mean because they knock out a few dozen TV sets that this is going to be something that will be manufactured. Exactly. And that's something that uh, that people really have to keep in mind is that, you know, there's, there's always a lot of talk about Apple has a new patent for this and it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, it could potentially mean something, but it doesn't necessarily. I mean, they have all kinds of patents. They have thousands of patents. So I, I think that people need to to take a step back when they read some of this stuff and say, okay, first it's it's a patent or it's a rumor about a product and yes, Apple could be doing it, but it's not necessarily a given. And, you know, that's that's something that uh, people tend to jump in and say, oh, well, this is going to happen. Well, the other thing and, is here it's it defensive patent filing. If you don't get the patent, you lose the patent because somebody else will simply duplicate the technology. So Apple may take every little possible invention and file. You know, they've got the lawyers working day and night. Oh, you got something, unique interface or a little invention. Get the thing to the patent office yesterday before someone else gets there first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that obviously going on. You know, it, it's very difficult for, for companies, uh, not just Apple, but everybody to, to protect their, their intellectual property these days. So people are filing patents over everything. And, you know, I, I think that we realize that the patent system is broken. You know, there, there's, I don't think there's any doubt that the patent system is broken. But yet, it's all we have. And so we'll have defensive patents. And obviously, though, it doesn't look like Tim Cook is going to cede licensing for things that Apple considers very important elements of their products. Now, standards, essential patents, what they're saying is pretty clear. If a company owns a patent that's part of the industry technology, they should, as the law supposedly states, they should set up fair and reasonable terms to everybody. And that's it, not try to gouge Apple because it has more money in the bank. That's one thing. But I, if you have an exclusive interface or design issue that's not meant to be an industry standard patent but just something unique to your products, well, you have a right to defend it. And you have a right to say, hey, guys, if you infringe on this, we're going to sue you. I hate to see Apple's legal bills, though. Or the legal bills of Samsung and Motorola and maybe to an increasing extent, Google, because Google now being the owner of Motorola, suddenly it's their bill. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack. of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack! Attack! A 
of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockaways, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123 survivalplan.com recently over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com these survival secrets are vital the government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water but do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water this information is critical find it now on 123survivalplan.com don't take your family's safety for granted visit 123survivalplan.com that's 123survivalplan.com Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. Now when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Now, one thing about iTunes subscriptions, something I learned very recently, don't know if you know this, Jim Dalrymple, and that is 
iTunes has a limit of 300 episodes. So if you're a show that's been on for years with several hundred episodes, only the most recent 300 are displayed. There was a recent bug. It was 301. But if you have 350 episodes, 400, 600, you'll have to get them from your main site. Did you know that? I did not know that. Apple conceded this to me. You know, someone from the iTunes division, I complained. I say, hey, I can't get all my episodes of the Paracast in there. We were from 2006. We have all the episodes. And they said, well, there is a limitation. Sorry, man. Can't do it. We were talking about patents and all the problems that Apple is having. And obviously, it seems that Tim Cook is going to enforce those patents, insist on fairness. The other thing he said and this goes against another conventional wisdom that Apple will be opening up, they're going to double down on corporate security. Explain. Well, Apple is already one of the most secret companies in the world. I think Tim is just going to make sure that, that the products that they're working on in the future continue to remain at the company and that they are secret. I mean, they, they put a lot of work into working on these products and making sure that when they do come to market, they're as big as a, as a surprise as they can be. I mean, you got to remember, this is Apple's future. When these products all of a sudden get released or pre-released by rumors or whatever, it does affect Apple. It gives their, their competition uh, a little heads up and... You know, that's, that can be dangerous for them. So, of course, it makes sense for, for Tim to, to make sure that the company is secure and that, that the employees are, are not leaking information or, you know, not, not just the employees. It, it's the suppliers. It's everybody. And realize, too, if Apple were to allow information about the next MacBook to be released prematurely, what happens? Sales of the current product stop dead in their tracks. They lose money. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you have to to make sure that, you know, your your sales continue as they are, but you you have to work on new products as well. So, I mean, a lot of people honestly don't care about you know what the the newest greatest thing is. They're they'll be happy with what they buy now. You know, if they if they want to buy a computer, they'll go out, they'll buy one and that's perfectly fine for them. But there are some people who have to have the latest and greatest. Now, looking over the Tim Cook interview otherwise, any surprises in what he said, or was it just the standard Apple party line we all know and love? Well, I, I, I thought that there was a lot of personality in, in what Tim said, but I, it, it really did follow along with, with what we would expect from Apple. Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised that, you know, Tim didn't announce new products and I wasn't surprised that he didn't deny different things because it's not like Apple to do. I mean, he gave a lot of food for thought in there, if you look. Well, let's look at the food for thought. Obviously, they're going to do more in the TV space, although it's questionable if it's going to be a full-blown TV. Where else do you see that Apple's doing something? I think Siri was one example because there's yep. a story out there suggesting that if Steve Jobs were alive today, he would not have greenlit Siri, but that's preposterous because Steve Jobs was alive when Apple bought the company and was alive at least until the day after they introduced the iPhone 4S. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, a, a silly story. You know, there's, there's no way. I mean, 
when when Siri was released, it was released as uh, a beta, and Apple showed some of the things that it could do, and that was great. And you know, we've been using it and thinking, wow, uh, you know, maybe in the future it can do new things and. You know, that's that's part of what a beta is. I mean, you and I are on some of the same beta programs throughout the industry. And, you know, that's what we do. We take something and, and it, it breaks or we break it purposely to see how we can do that. And we give that feedback to the developer and, you know, they work on it. That's that's what the whole thing is about. Now, I gather and, here because Siri is using an external cloud-based system of servers that it's a learning system. As more and more people use Siri, it becomes a better product. Well, yeah, I, I think that's that's what it's all about. You know, Apple releases it as a public beta. I mean, if you don't use Siri, it doesn't affect the way that you use the rest of the phone. It, it doesn't ruin the, the, the use, but you can use Siri and get a little bit more out of your phone if you want to. Part of the problem and, also is you can't really beta test this except by masses because there are so many variations in speech patterns and it's not american versus canadian speech with a few different inflections and different regional accents it is people speaking in a number of languages supported by siri some people are radio broadcasters and actors like a samuel l jackson he's an actor so we know siri understands him siri sort of understands me because i do this for a living Believe it or not, some people think I should give up my day job or not give up my day job, but this is my day job. The point <laughs> being that Siri is being exposed to all sorts of environments that cannot be tested in a laboratory or in the limited confines of a developer community. That's the way it gets better. So if Siri version 2 comes out, and maybe it'll come out with iOS 6, this will be Siri version 2 does a thousand more things or is more capable of recognizing what's going on. So people who say it's not accurate, well, they file class action lawsuits. That is the dumbest thing on the planet. It's a beta. So how can you sue and say, well, it doesn't work? Yeah, and not just that it doesn't work. It doesn't work like your your ads say. Well, I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. Well, if I was Zooey Deschanel or I was Samuel L. Jackson, any of these people, again, trained actors, we understand that Siri will understand them within the limited confines of the questions. Yeah, I, 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 w I just wish people would think for a minute before they bring lawsuits. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't seem to be the way that they want to do it. You know, instead of thinking, they, they decide that, uh, that they just, I mean, it's a quick grab for cash. Let's be honest. And even in the event that some judge approved all this, what will they get? If the class well, wins, it's accepted as a class action lawsuit, goes through a trial, whatever, maybe Apple will settle and they'll get a $10 coupon. You know, like they did maybe. with the iPhone, four cases. They got $15 yeah. cash or free case. Now, what did Apple offer them months before that? A free case. Right. And a free case, not just Apple's, but other companies who had cases up to $35. So yeah. what did you gain, folks, from participating in that? Okay, let's define it for everybody. Siri is a public beta. Apple says so at their website. Maybe it will work with you. Maybe it won't. It is designed for testing. Don't set your life on Siri working. Don't buy the iPhone 4S depending on being 100% accurate because you are destined, my friend, to be thoroughly disappointed. Now, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Out Live, send us a tweet. 
You can do it that way. You can contact us at Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter to send us a tweet. We are never, ever disappointed with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. 
First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. The problem is I never know what's going to happen next. That's the real secret. <laughs> we have Jim Dowerumple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. He always knows what he's going to talk about. We were talking about Tim Cook's appearance at All Things Digital D10 with Walt Mossberg and company from The Wall Street Journal. Fascinating session, two-hour interview. Go ahead to the loop at loopinsight.com or other sites with the transcripts of the event and see what Tim Cook has to say and make your own decisions. Don't depend on what... Jim or I say about it. But let's look at one thing that's coming up with expectations, the Worldwide Developers Conference, second week of June. We expect that they're going to announce a shipping day for Mountain Lion. Do you think it's going to be immediate or it's going to be like July, August to give time for new Macs to come out and then be updated for Mountain Lion? Or is it all going to be rushed out the same week? No, I I honestly think that there'll be some time in between. Uh, I, I think that there's some... Things that Apple is putting in there that we haven't seen yet, you know, whether those are huge features or or just uh, some more integration or whatever it is, uh, because we haven't seen one in a while. And usually before WDC, we we kind of have this uh, this lull where there where there isn't many releases, and then they show a new version at the conference. So you know, but you have to remember, and for for people uh, listening that. The Worldwide Developer Conference is just that. It's a developer conference. Everything there is focused towards developers making better products. So when we go out to buy software in the Mac App Store from a developer's site, we get what we expect, I guess, which is you know a, a really good, well-developed, well-thought-out product. And not just some piece of junk that's, you know, kind of cobbled together with uh, all kinds of like tape and, and bubble gum. And, and Apple does a good job of, of giving its developers all the, the resources that they need at WWDC. And that's, that's what the conference is for. Now, if you look at last year, what would happen this year would possibly be this is going to be a release candidate, which means this is a version of Mountain Lion that may or may not be the release version. Maybe there will be some more updates. That's what they get. They have 30 to 60 days to play with it before the final release. This gives them time to report problems and Apple time to test everything to make sure it's working. So ideally then we'd see Mountain Lion end of July, end of August. Yeah, and you have to remember that years ago, well, not even that long ago, maybe what three years ago, uh, Apple would have to leave enough time for manufacturing, meaning that the operating system would have to be pressed to disk. They don't have to do that anymore. They just release it for download on the Mac App Store. So 
theoretically, Apple could work up to the, the last hour uh, before it's supposed to be released and then pop it up on the servers. And that gives them a lot more time and a lot more leeway to make sure that what's released on day one is a very good operating system. And I've been using it since February. I, I have no issue with the operating system at all. I've been using it as my full-time OS on my MacBook Air, my 13-inch. And this is the first time since, when was uh, the original OS X release, 2001? Yes, it was March of 2001. March, yeah. It's the first time in over a decade that I've been using one of the beta OSs and have not reverted back. Now, there are issues where certain things don't work, but not that many. There's maybe, what, a half dozen things that Apple has to fix. So maybe it's possible for Apple to say, you know what, we're just about done. Here's the release candidate. In 30 days, you get a copy. And the question is, will Apple charge for that update? I'm kind of leaning towards a free upgrade. There's no reason for Apple to charge for this. They don't charge for iOS. Why charge for Mac OS X? Not worth it. Well, I don't know if it's not worth it or not. I, I'm I think thinking that... in the sense of two things. It's not a huge moneymaker at 30 bucks, And second, it will freak out Microsoft to a fairly well, which I think we'd all enjoy. <laughs> well, when it comes to, to uh, an OS update, if you're looking at just a, a maintenance update, I can see how how uh, um, no price free update would would be a good thing. But I actually expect quite a bit from Mountain Lion uh, in terms of integration with iOS, and I expect it to be a very big release. So... I mean, if Apple comes out and charges, you know, what, $29 is what they've charged for some of the updates, I'm good with that. I think most people will be, but I was just thinking here that Apple would look at this and say, we're making so much money on the sale of hardware. If everybody upgrades to Mountain Lion really fast, that, of course, increases compatibility for new apps. And again, Microsoft will be freaked. I still like the Microsoft freakout factor because Microsoft hasn't decided yet, I gather, what to charge for Windows 8, the various iterations. Yeah, well, and that's just it, isn't it? The various iterations. You know, Microsoft comes out with, with all of these, what, what I consider to be uh, very complicated plans or, or, or versions of, of Windows 8. And with Apple, if you want Lion or Mountain Lion, you have, there's one version. Uh, you're you're a consum- consumer or you're a, a professional or you're an executive. You need uh, the Mac OS. Here you go. Here it is. And that's great. That's the way that it should be. And the OS can grow and do different things for different people. And you don't pay any more. Well, that's, I think, very important. I think Microsoft, in trying to integrate the desktop and the mobile OS, has made a mess of confusion because people will look at, for example, Windows tablets, Windows 8 tablets. There will be a tablet for Intel, which means it runs traditional Windows apps. There'll be a tablet for ARM processors running Windows 8 RT. And what does that mean? They can't run Windows apps. I think people are going to say, ugh. I mean, it's not as if they're buying Windows phone in droves and that has the same interface. Yeah, and... I, I, I don't know that, that Microsoft still understands the, the whole OS thing. 
um, and, and tablets and apps and how these things are supposed to go together. Uh, maybe they do and they're just not showing it. I, I, I don't know, but it, it just doesn't seem to me that that they really get it. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for them and their customers. And you have to look here that Microsoft has pretty much bet the farm on Windows 8. Yeah. There is no plan B that I can see. If Windows 8 ends up being, well, another Windows Vista, how does Microsoft regain its luster? Because look at the situation now. What is it? 45% of the people out there with PCs are running Windows XP, which came out the same time as the original 10.0 version of Mac OS 10. Yeah. Terrible. It's a mess. Terrible. I mean, if you look, even even if you look at, at iPhone users compared to Android, uh, the iPhone users tend to upgrade their, their OS very quickly. Because, of course, with no, Android, no. they can't get the upgrade. Exactly. And with Android, it's so fragmented and there are so many versions of, of phones and so many versions of the software that you can't. Sometimes you cannot, no matter if you want to or not, you cannot get the update. Um, so, you know, what are you supposed to do with that? You could potentially go buy a phone today and, and not be able to update it anymore. And look at the but, dirty secret with Windows Phone 7.5. You have the Nokia Lumia 900, which is their big phone, the big Windows Phone du jour making lots of expenses advertising that in the U.S. I suppose it's 100 or $150 million being spent by Microsoft and AT&T. Guess what? Whatever operating system you get on that phone is it. You won't see an upgrade because Microsoft has already said, well, we're not going to have upgrades to Windows Phone 8. Duh. What's the matter with that? Yeah. yeah. I, I know. It, it, it really as a... As a user, as somebody that's been, I guess, you know, in the Apple ecosystem for, for so many years, I, I find it just amazing that a company can do that. I'll now, tell you what we're going to do right I, now. What we're going to do right now is tell our listeners we have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? More important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control, your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More of the best for less guaranteed. Emergency Essentials has Mountain House deals in June. Going on now, Emergency Essentials, the 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies, does it again. With up to 25% off Mountain House foods. Don't miss these savings. All Mountain House number 10 cans are 20 to 25% off during the month of June only at BePrepared.com. Mountain House foods have superior taste and a scientifically proven 25-year shelf life because they start with fresh or frozen foods, then cook, prepare, and Finally, freeze-dry them. All the goodness, flavor, and taste are locked in as if handmade from scratch. Mountain House, the same great meals enjoyed by campers and outdoorsmen the world over. Hurry, now through June 30th. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and the BePrepared.com low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. And we have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Before we broke for that break, you were talking about the fact that Microsoft is not going to upgrade Windows Phone for people who buy the current devices. They have to start from scratch when Windows Phone 8 comes out. Well, these days, there are a lot of choices. People can go get an Android phone. They can go get an iPhone. I suppose some people may still want to buy a RIM. But, uh, we want to ask not, you about that, maybe. maybe three or four people. <laughs> you know, in some ways with, with Microsoft, I guess it, it does make sense to just start over and say, okay, 
this is it. Starting now, we're doing Windows Phone 8, and that's it. But that's got to kill off their, their sales. It really does. Maybe they're hoping that it will, and people will wait and buy Windows Phone 8. I don't know. What sense does that make, though? Why basically gut the sale of your current product? We know with iOS 6, say Apple introduces that at the WWDC, we kind of expect they will. It'll ship this fall, okay? That's what they'll tell you. And that's when the next iPhone will come out. But you know that the iPhone 4S and the iPhone 4, at the very least, will be upgradable. Maybe there'll be some features that won't carry through, but they'll be upgradable. You're assured of that when you go into the Apple ecosystem. With Android and the Windows Phone ecosystem, I don't know. With Research in Motion, if you have an existing BlackBerry, is that upgradable to the next version of the BlackBerry software? I do not believe. I don't believe it is. So they're screwing up too. The royal well, I, screw up. That's a screw up, man. Some of the later phones may may be um, upgradable, but you know certainly not back generations of phones. But that's see that's part of the problem that that I have with all of this stuff is is I don't think that these companies are looking at their users as much as they're looking at the profits and you know that's got to bother you as a user. I mean I, I'm I'm all for companies and developers moving on from an OS. I don't expect backwards compatibility, you know, back generations of, of Mac OS 10. I would rather see a developer cut it off and say, you know what, in order to, to have all of these new great features, we're, we're going to have to say Mountain Lion only from now on or Lion and Mountain Lion. I'm good with that. I think that's great. Because that's what pushes the platform ahead. But if you buy a phone like an Android phone and the operating system is a year old, how advanced could it be? Even if I hear those commercials, Droid does. About all those devices, Droid does this, Droid does that, but does Droid run the latest and greatest Android operating system? Droid doesn't. Research in motion, can it be saved? Research in motion, wow. I, I think that, that they're pretty screwed, to be honest with you. Uh, they really don't seem to to get it. They they just don't. They don't seem to understand what they need to do. And every time somebody from uh, from uh, Research Emotions talks, they screw up. Well, they have nothing to say. We're going to work on fixing the company. They're sounding just as bad as Meg Whitman over at HP. You have to wonder about yeah. her. I don't think. Yeah. She's capable of managing that company. She's in over her head. She might have done well with eBay, I guess, but they <laughs> bought Skype at the time, and that wasn't such a great decision. Well, I, I don't think that there's been very good decisions from a lot of the, the technology companies uh, over the past five years, really. Uh, you know, technology companies scoffed at, at Apple, and they – they said that Apple could never do what they wanted to do. And, and, you know, here we are now where everybody is trying to copy them and, and the decisions being made are, are being made out of fear. That's like, for example, a company like Lenovo deciding to produce a smart TV out of fear Apple will get there. Right. 
Yeah, and it's not just that. It's the tablets. It's the smartphones. It's uh, Android. You know, all these app stores that are popping up all over the place. I mean, people want some of that. You know, they everybody talks about on an iPhone, oh, I'll just go buy that app from the App Store. Well, Microsoft wants its people to buy apps from the App Store, too. It's it, decisions made out of fear. And it, it ultimately, it won't work. And it wouldn't it wouldn't work if Apple was the one making decisions out of fear uh, as well. But Apple is not doing that. Apple is leading the way. So there's a big difference between where Apple is in the market and where the competition is. The competition is willing to settle for second best. You know, one very interesting thing that Tim Cook said during the D10 conference, that Steve Jobs calls him to his house and basically says, you're going to be the next CEO. But remember this, don't do what Disney did. After Walt Disney died, the executives would think, what would Walt do now? And he doesn't want Tim Cook and the rest of the people at Apple to say, what would Steve do? It is to think of the present and the future. Don't think about the past. Move ahead and do what you think is right. If they follow the Apple DNA and the Apple structure and the Apple goals, they'll do the right thing. Well, and that's what it's all about. You you have to do what's right. Sometimes that's more difficult, but if you do it, that's that's what it's going to take. Yeah, the the payoff is what Apple has now. You know, they they have a loyal following on on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac. Uh, they their business is growing. They have. You know, hundred billion in the bank. I, that's the payoff for doing things right. And you know, the the other people, the other companies seem to want the short term gain, the short term quarterly money to come in so that they can show a profit. They're they're not looking. How are we going to make a profit in five years? Because they don't know which pro- product they're going to copy in five years. They can't think five years down the pike. It's the current quarter. Mm-hmm. It's the next quarter. Or they say, we're working on a new strategy. Stay tuned. And when we figure it out, we'll let you know. But with research <laughs> in motion, there's no time. You see HP. Yes, they're going to shed a lot of employees, what, 8% of their workforce in the next, in the next employee shedding or a layoff period. On the other hand, we see that HP is going to persevere. They have lots of successful products. They make great printers. They make decent PCs, servers, and services. But in the fast-moving mobile space, they're going to go nowhere. And when it comes to research in motion, time has passed them by. They have no more time anymore. They have to think either making a drastic change or sell off the company for its server system and its patents. Well, and that's what it's coming down to right now is that uh, RIM's worth is not being judged on how much the, the, the company itself is worth and how much its customers are worth. It's being judged on how much its patents are worth. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened to Kodak. And then we had a situation there where Kodak was involved in lawsuits with a couple of companies, including Apple. Kodak is in bankruptcy, by the way. And they lost the case involving a key patent where supposedly the patent was not valid. Yeah, I, I, things just got really bad uh, very quickly. And, 
you know, uh, it's the way that things go, and and that's how it's going for Rim too. You know, things thing actually, Rim had the opportunity to to pull itself out, but you know, it it would have had to have done that in two thousand eight, not in 2012. Well, you had the problem also about the executive team there at Research in Motion being too egotistical. They had to have yeah. co-CEOs. When you have co-CEOs, you've got to think they've got two people who can't decide, you're CEO, I'm chairman, or I'm chairman, you're CEO, you're a chief operating officer. They couldn't parcel out the duties. They weren't smart enough to do that, so they got pretty far, but they couldn't migrate to the next level. That's so unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And and they had it. They had it, but they lost it. There you go. So you think, what, in the next year, RIM is sold? Boy, I, I don't know. I, I think ultimately it, it probably will be. We'll have to see how it plays out. Jim Dalrymple, need you to tell our listeners in exquisite detail how to find more of the stuff that you're writing about. Well, you can find me at uh, J. Dalrymple on Twitter or at loopinsight.com, the website. And loopinsight.com has all sorts of cutting-edge commentary with you and Peter Cohen, of course. And Jim also makes these pithy comments about products that may or may not be discontinued. So if we take what he says to the bank there very likely is going to be another Mac Pro in our future. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk Heiner. He's editor-in-chief of AppleTel.com. And this is the second Kirk that we've had on the show this week. So if you're saying, which Kirk is which, well, he'll tell you. Except that the other Kirk lives in France. This Kirk, you're in the New York area, right? Uh, no. No, actually, I live in a town, a small town in Ohio called Mogador. Oh, okay. Where is that near? It's near, it's uh, southeast of Akron. Okay, I've been there probably in that area, so I know what it is. So how did you get involved in the Apple Incorporated universe? Oh, it started a long time ago. Um, I'd say around 1998, 
I just decided I wanted to start writing for the uh, the Apple Web. I was a fan of many sites, and there was one called Apple Links at the time that was looking for people, and, and I still just contacted them. Yes, yeah, they around. are still around and doing well. Um, so I wrote for them for a long time, and then eventually moved over to Apple Tell, where I'm at now. Um, I took on a bigger site with more writers and uh, moved up to editor in chief. Now it's part of a organization called Technology Tell. So how does yes. that work? The Technology Tell is kind of an umbrella of numerous sites. The We have um, GamerTel. We have a site called Gadgetel. Um, and there are uh, a couple camera sites in there. There's even one, Entertainment, Cell, Entertainment Tell, sorry, that we just launched. And it's uh, they're all owned by the uh, uh, North American Publishing Company, or NAPCO. Okay, strictly online. Yes. Okay. Yeah, with the, the, the Technology Tell sites, yes. Okay. Um, now, NAPCO does have uh, some print publications as well. I'm looking over your entertainment section. I think we'll have to bring on some of the entertainment people you have on there and maybe talk to them as it relates to the technology. Like, for example, a few weeks back, we had a guy named Greg Bell, and he does the Radio Classics, or when Radio was Young series on Sirius XM Radio. And, of course, you're taking these recordings made, sometimes on shellac recordings made in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, and making them sound as if they were recorded yesterday. You know, things like The Shadow and The Lone Ranger and all that stuff. Oh, and Flash Gordon. Geez, yeah, I would, I would be all over Flash Gordon if they released uh, updated versions of those. Well, I was thinking, of course, in movie serials with Larry Buster Crabbe. Yeah, well, there was a Flash Gordon radio play, too. Yes, there was. There was also, in the early 50s, a Flash Gordon TV series that was made in West Germany. Yes, with Steve Holland playing Flash Gordon. Right, but he had no career after that, did he? Uh, no, no. Of course, Buster Crab. I mean, he was around for a while, but he never saw the success that he did with Flash Gordon. Right. He even played Tarzan once or twice. You know, we're yeah. talking about things here people don't care about, except how everything turns around <laughs> today. Of course, the biggest movies are comic book movies. Yes. Of course, the Avengers. And, of course, yep. The Men in Black 3, which is based on a graphic comic book. And the real funny thing about Men in Black, and that shows, by the way, incredible technology. One of these days, we're going to have a movie special effects expert on here. We did in the early years. But one of the things about the Men in Black is my license plate is the MIB. And I knew one of the people who created the legend of the Men in Black before there was a graphic comic book. But oh, he never good. profited from it. Let's talk about the Apple universe. No. Now, when you got started writing for Apple Links in 1998, Apple was just coming out of the skids on the way up. Did you ever think at that point, this is maybe a couple of years after Steve Jobs came back, that maybe there wouldn't be a Mac and you'd have to do maybe Windows links or something? I, I, I didn't give that much thought. I had been using Macs for so long. I think my first Macintosh was 1988. I used an SE and soon thereafter bought a, an Apple II GS off a friend and used that for a while before I purchased an LC2, which was my first official Mac computer. And they were so good, even during the dark years, that it never occurred to me that they would disappear. I, I never thought that they would become the most popular computer, but I thought there would always be a niche for them. Um, so, no, I, I was never afraid that Apple was going to go away. But watching them introduce, say, in the early 2000s, the iPod, how did you react to something like that <laughs> where they're in a completely different direction? I mean, at one time, I understand that one of the first digital cameras was the Apple Quick Take, which was, by the way, built by Kodak, which is now on the skits. So they had one of the first digital cameras. They had, of course, the Newton, which is mm -hmm. 
in a sense, the predecessor to the iPad. Isn't that funny? Yes. How all things went full circle. Yeah, yeah, and especially considering how uh, ill-received the Newton was. Well, it's because it couldn't um, read my handwriting. When it came up. And see, yeah. that was it. The yeah. first time I sat down there with Don Brown, who was a programmer who worked at the time with CE Software, and they created Quick Keys, which I believe is still being made for the Mac, Quick Keys, system-wide macro or keyboard shortcut program. And he says, hey, Gene, here's the Newton. And I played with it, tried to do the handwriting with the stylus, and my handwriting makes a doctor's handwriting look clear. Okay. So we understand. Didn't work well. Of course, now there is actually, by the way, a couple of styluses available for an iPad where you can still have it unable to recognize your handwriting, but that's where you go. Okay. So you see Apple moving to the consumer right. electronics space. Did you think maybe the Mac is going away? What's going on here? It, you know, the funny thing, when the iPod first came out, I wrote an article about it at Apple Links and went on the record as saying it was the first Apple product in which I had absolutely no interest um, of owning it. Um, now I live by it. I, I still have, a, 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 I think, the 60-gig iPod Classic, and I've got over 7,000 songs on it, and it, it goes with me everywhere. Um, so I, I love what Apple is doing outside of the Mac. The... I, I think my fear right now isn't that the Mac is going to go away, but that it's they're pushing um, a little too hard to make it more like the iOS. And I'm a little wary of that yet, but I'm willing to give Apple the benefit of the doubt and see where, see where it goes. Yeah, we have to see. That was controversial in Lion, I think, in Mountain Lion. And some of us have used the developer's version. And we can talk about it only to the extent that Apple mentions it on their site. Otherwise, we have to kill everybody we talk to. We got the edict now from Tim Cook. He's doubling down on Apple's security, so we have no choice. But I think the integration is better. And one of the reasons I think that it happens is strictly because of the fact that Apple gets a lot of people looking at the Mac from iOS products, the iPhone, the iPad. If you make the migration simple, they'll stay. But not, of course, like it's being done in Windows 8. Okay, D10... All Things Digital, sponsored by the people who own the Wall Street Journal. And by the way, that's News Corporation. Rupert Murdoch is the owner of that. So we have Tim Cook getting his shakedown cruise. Two hours of Tim Cook. What are your reactions to what he had to say? Well, my first reaction was he comes across, I mean, I think it's good that he doesn't come across the same way Steve Jobs has in in a few interviews we've seen him do. He, He comes across as a businessman. And I, I like that he's not trying to, per se, per, or, uh, give out the same aura as, as Steve. It, so it, it was a little comforting to watch that, I think, as opposed to we're going to keep this going and everything's going to be no, great. Not the hyper he stuff. On not the, the hyper stuff, not the smart ass stuff. He's somebody who comes across as a straight ahead kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I get the feeling that he's not meant to replace Steve. And he even mentioned that, of course. But like they've got an entire team of guys, an entire staff who collectively are going to keep Apple going the way the way that it should move. And he's just the guy that we're going to see for the face of that. So, so I found that kind of comfort. Very interesting is where he recounts the conversation he had at Steve Jobs' home, where he's told, we want you to become the CEO, but remember the lesson of the Disney company, which is when Walt Disney died, all the executives kept wondering, well, what would Walt do here? What would Walt do there? And you can't look backwards. You have to look at what's happening now. And you have to say, okay, we know what we have to do. We have our mission. Let's accomplish it. And we don't think backwards. Of course, Apple never looks back anymore. They don't even observe anniversaries of Macs or anything else. No. And along those same lines, you've also got to, like, say, when Gil Emilio took over. And 
it, it's of course they didn't do anything the way Steve would have, but it seemed that they were going out of the way to not do it that way. Like he was trying to make his own identity and take Apple a different direction. And of course, that failed. Well, miserably. you know, with people like John so Scully, we, Gil Emilio, these people, I think, were clueless individuals when it came to technology. I think John Scully had some ideas. I mean, he decided to build an upgradable Mac, like the Mac 2, the Mac 2 CX, things like that. So he had some good ideas. Mm -hmm. He was a good salesperson, but he didn't have that vision for the future. He didn't have what Steve Jobs had in terms of understanding what the consumer wants. He tried to be, again, too corporate. You can't be too corporate and be rebels, and Apple has to have that rebellious personality, don't you think? Yeah, well, they always have to be the, the sort of hip. We're on the cutting edge of, of technology. We're ahead of everybody else in technology um, attitude. And, yeah, it's important to hold we on We have to Kirk that. Heiner. He's editor-in-chief of AppleTel.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hi, this is Peter Kronstrommel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Crunch, now at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been, thankfully, the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have our second Kirk of the Day. Two Kirks for the price of one. On free radio, Kirk Heiner, editor-in-chief of AppleTel.com. And we're talking about his background in the Mac universe, but also about what's going on now, the new leadership with Tim Cook. During the two hours that he was on there answering questions, any surprises, anything that came out of left field you didn't expect? No, I wouldn't say there was anything out of left field. I think that's partly because the questions that they were answering seemed to, or asking um, seemed a little safe. So, we call it softball in the industry. Yeah. I yeah. think, for example, if I was there and I asked the kind of questions I ask on our other show, they would have basically thrown me out in about five minutes. I'm too yeah. confrontational for that kind of environment. Yeah, and I think people are careful about that because it, um, you know, Steve, of course, didn't give that many interviews, and this is this is Tim's first, so it's you know we're going to play it safe to make sure that he continues to talk to us. So. No, there was nothing major there. He he kind of skirted a couple issues, I think, that could have been a little more interesting. But, again, that that's what we expect. Let's look at where he skirted issues and what reference do you think he maybe didn't give the answer we might have hoped he'd give? Uh, the one that struck out most was when they were asking about the um, how he felt Surrey was going with, with the problems some, some people are having with it and where exactly he thinks that or they're going to take it and you know his, his stock answer of course of all people love it and he kind of hinted that perhaps there are some things ahead and i think we all kind of figure there are because they've never really taken it out of beta well he basically um, admitted some people doesn't work for and i look at it this way part of the problem is you see actors on tv siri works if you're zooey de chanel if you're someone like samuel l jackson we yeah. expect with a professional actor Siri is going to understand you. If you speak straight-ahead American English, it will understand you. If you're a radio broadcaster like me, I could do everything they do on those 
TV shows, not the, um, the greatest shakes is that. The point is I can do that. So we know it can work under certain circumstances, but if you come from Brooklyn or South Philly, you talk like Sylvester Stallone, uh, you know, like that, I think Siri's going to have a problem. And yeah, they haven't taken it out of beta, but there's a story that somebody ran saying Steve Jobs would not have greenlit this, and maybe I can get your response about that. I feel that He knew about it because, number one, Apple bought the company in 2010. Until almost the very last day of his life, he was very active in Apple's affairs, so he knew what they were doing. He could say, this isn't working, don't do it. But Siri, with all its defects, has the buzz. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's why Apple's focusing so heavily on the promotion of it. I mean, it's it's like Tim said, it's one of the main selling points of, of the iPhone 4S. And, and my wife has the 4S. I still have the 4. We kind of alternate our updates every two years. And she loves it. There are times where it doesn't understand her or it, it gets the question completely wrong. But I think more often than being disappointed by not getting an answer, we're impressed when it does tell us exactly what we need. Um, and I, so I think that's why they kept it in beta. It was if, if they had said, here's this technology and it's perfect, go ahead and run with it. And we have the problems that, that some people have with it. I would understand the frustration, but it seems to me that they were always just kind of selling it as this is some new technology and we're going to work some kinks out of it and you're all going to help us do it. Can you spell iCloud, speaking of something that's offered as a finished product but isn't? But let's really put Siri to the test right now. I have it right here. Let's just listen and see what happens. Okay. Siri, who am I? No, you see what happened. It misunderstood (laughs) me. Let's try it again. Siri, who am I? Would you like to search the web for who am I? Okay, well, Siri is out to lunch today. (laughs) And it's about that time that we're doing the show. Siri is out to lunch, ladies and gentlemen. There's now a class action lawsuit. That's kind of silly. You heard about the class action lawsuit against Siri that doesn't work. Uh, No, I haven't. I mean, well... I mean, if there's anything that maybe doesn't work, there'll be a class action lawsuit. The problem with this one is that Apple says it's a beta. So if it doesn't work, well, it's not their fault. Yeah, it's, they've made that pretty clear. I, I don't know why anyone would. All right, I, I, I'm kind of the. Uh, I, I agree with Tim on that. Some of these uh, lawsuits are are a pain in the ass. Can I say that on your show? I think so. It's the seven deadly words that we can't say. Anything okay. that George Carlin said too often, we can't say. I remember the time when George Carlin did this special for Home Box Office, where he adapted the seven words into 300, and said them without a break. Don't remind me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I probably have said a couple of those words, I would assume. All right. So, Siri, you weren't satisfied maybe 100% with his assurances about where it's going. What about something else? Any other topics where you felt maybe the answers weren't what I would have hoped for? One th- they also talked about uh, tablets and PCs. I believe it was Walt who asked him, why can't um, the, the iPad become a PC or why or tablets in general? And he Tim's answer, he seemed to justify the lack of PC features in the iPad, but didn't do anything to explain the number of um, iPad features that are working the way to OS X, kind of as we, we discussed earlier. And it's not that really I'm afraid of that, but his answer was, was a little bit disconnected there, I think. Well, the company line is that, of course, you can't mix a toaster oven and a refrigerator. It doesn't stop there being some convergence which may be his point of view. But I know that some other members of the press felt that was one of his more disappointing answers. So you're not alone there. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I want the iPad to become a PC. I absolutely love the iPad for what it is. Um, in fact, I, I use it as a PC quite a bit. I'm going to E3 next week, and for the past three or four expos I've done, I haven't. Uh, I don't even have a MacBook anymore. I mainly use my iMac at home, and then when I need the portability, I can get most of the functionality I need out of the iPad. So I'm I'm happy with it, and um, like I said it's just uh, yeah. I guess that's it. I'm, I have a question going on here because this takes us to another issue, which is we have the WWDC week of June 11th, and we are all expecting what kind of things that Apple's going to have, probably a final release date for Mountain Lion, maybe new MacBooks, iMac, possibly new Mac Pro, because we have the word from Jim Dalrymple earlier in this episode, you know, Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at loopinsight.com, seems yep. to have... The door is open somewhere in Apple, and when he says something, it'll be a pithy comment, it'll be a sentence, a word. He gets it right. Yes, and yeah, he's very good. So he's basically saying that anyone who thinks Apple is going to discontinue the Mac Pro will be wrong. So we'll see stuff. iOS 6. Now, one thing that has been suggested, and maybe you can tell me because you use the iPad probably more than I do. My wife doesn't let me touch our iPad. And that is, what about a multitasking, multi-window kind of feature. You have a bigger screen about the size of the early power books, as a matter of fact. Why can't we run two apps or app windows side-by-side and go back and forth if we're doing productivity? That's one of the things that if they did introduce that in iOS 6, I would be happy with it. But to me, it's not a deal killer. I think most of the people asking for that aren't really the type of people that Apple is targeting with, with the iPad most of the features that people ask for at the iPad have been complaining about from, from day one aren't people who um, are talking to my mother, I, I think is the way I normally explain it. So basically, they talk to mom. So Clark Heiner's mom, we talk to her, Apple should sit her down and say, what do you want? Yeah, and my mom, and you say, should we add multitasking? And my mom is going to say, I have no idea what that means. I know what this um, means. We have Kirk Heiner joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Love gardening, but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. 
Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not Plant Skid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. Plant Skid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use Plant Skid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSKYDD.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. Plant Skid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, Allison, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali C and Ali Van from AffinityHealthProducts.com. One capsule of Ali C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills. With no garlic breath, Aliban has allicin in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength than leading brands and cost less. Go to AffinityHealthProducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, HealthProducts.com, or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Protect yourself with Ali C or Aliban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123 survivalplan.com recently over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com these survival secrets are vital the government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water but do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water this information is critical find it now on 123survivalplan.com don't take your family's safety for granted visit 123survivalplan.com that's 123survivalplan.com What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. But I know we have Kirk Heiner, editor-in-chief of AppleTel.com. We started off the discussion talking about Tim Cook's maiden voyage at the All Things Digital D10 conference, sponsored by the folks at the Wall Street Journal and about some of the things he said that were very interesting. Some things maybe he lacked a little bit of detail or his logic maybe didn't follow, like the differences between a PC and a tablet. So we have WWDC, and let's focus on the possibility of an iOS 6. It's almost a given. We're going to see an iOS 6 rollout. going to happen this fall when the next iPhone comes out. So I mentioned multitasking. You're not a fan of that kind of thing in the sense of having multiple windows open. And then you said, well, Apple will listen more probably to what people like your mother would want rather than a geek like us. So what features do you think your mother would want to see in iOS 6? Most most of the things that, that are already in there are, are things that, that she would be looking for. Um, I'm trying to think of new features that uh, that we've been hinting about for quite some time. 
Um, well, they talked about the Facebook integration. I don't think that that's something that, I don't know, is that something you would want to see? Well, there's a Facebook app. That's as far as it goes, and I don't care. Yeah. There's a Twitter app, and that's fine. It's not yeah, something see, I care about. I'll tell you what I care about is multiple signatures, maybe more geek appeal than an average user. But right now you have to use a third-party app to get multiple signatures, and it's a copy-paste routine, and it's very awkward, and I don't like it. But we shouldn't be stuck with one signature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think I would agree with that. What else would you like to see in iOS 6, things that maybe Apple can do better? Yeah, I would like to see some of the internal apps or some of the Apple apps function better. Um, iCal could use uh, some kind of better notes integration, um, like a to-do list. I mean, I would like to see. They, now they've talked about the upgrade to the Maps app, but I, you know, like a GPS, a built-in GPS of some sort. You know, I, I don't think we would need like a, a full like Navigon treatment, but something a little more functional along those lines. Okay. And, and better mail. I would like to see mail get updated. It, I, I find mail cumbersome, um, on, actually even more so on the iPad than on the iPhone for one reason or another. But uh, In what ways uh, do you think mail is lacking functionality? Well, it's just it's it's a little confusing to use, and, and it's kind of un-Apple-like in that regard. It's bouncing around from mailbox to mailbox. It's like For some reason, whenever I open it, there's always at least one email on display to me, um, unless I'm doing something wrong and have been this entire time. Um, it's like I could just never back out to a point where I could see the whole app for what it is as opposed to being inside of something and digging my way around. You don't like to have the local view. You want to have the overview. Yeah, yeah, a, a bigger view and instead of just in that little sidebar that's on the left-hand side, just be able to look at it as I do regular mail where I can see more of everything at once instead of little segments of individual folders or, or lists. How does this grab you? Rules and spam filtering. I'll give you one reason why that is good. So, for example, on your Mac, you have the spam filtering, you have email rules where a certain email goes into certain folders or processed in a certain way. But if your Mac isn't running to receive that email, and we assume you're using IMAP email, so everything is on an external server, the mail that you get on your iPad and iPhone, it doesn't have those rules applied if your Mac isn't running. Right. That makes yeah. a situation. Now, yeah, there are some email systems, even Gmail, that have rules. So you can set rules within the email system, but not all have that. So these are two features that could be there. Now, one person said to me early on with the iPhone and the iPad, well, this means more background processing. And I think the processing required to get your mail, is it that much more to move it to a different folder or check spam? Yeah, I think the processor on the iPad is strong enough now to be able to handle much more than that. So this makes it closer in concept to the desktop. Anything else that you want to see? Safari, any of other Apple's other apps? Maybe in the way you switch among apps. You know, instead of like the uh, double tapping on the home Well, button. you have to look, for example, the way it's done under Android. It was done on the web OS where it was almost like taking and spreading out cards and just tap from one to the other. Yeah, they, they, you would think they would do like the, um, the, 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 the display like they have in iTunes where the albums slide back and forth, um, the album cover. Something like that would be good. And cover with the multi-touch screen, yeah, I don't know why you can't just swipe with three or four fingers left to right and be able to uh, go through your open apps as opposed to pulling up the, uh, the, the double tap on the home button. Right. You know, something else I would also like to see is, I guess this is more of an OS X thing, but when they announced um, messages for OS X, 
getting rid of iChat, the relationship between messages on the iPhone or iPad versus on OS X is terrible as far as keeping certain threads going from one to the other. Um, they, I would like to see them get that synced up. So if I'm having an iMess or a uh, messages chat with my wife and then I come into work and sit down in front of the computer, I can launch it and it'll pick up and connect right where we left off. Part of the problem is you have to use a different app on your iPhone yeah. and iPad to get instant messaging that's similar to iChat today, and that is the AOL Instant Messenger system, AIM. So you have to run their app to duplicate the functions, whereas you think, okay, Apple is bringing in their internal SMS messaging system to the Mac, calling it messages, so why not mm-hmm. bring the iChat features back to the iPhone, the iOS? Go the other direction, why not? Why do we? Yeah. I, it's not that I don't, you know, that I don't want to use AIM or a third-party app. I have no problem with AOL, but Apple should be providing that themselves. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it, yes. Getting the two of them connected. I mean, no matter which way they went, I would just like for them to be able to communicate with each other better. Just push them across the uh, two two uh, platforms. Of course, you have to wonder: Does Apple run out of a hundred features every release to introduce them? <laughs> So you have to think, will they run out of ideas for iOS 6? And now we go to Mountain Lion. I'm sure you've read the stuff. You haven't played with the developer betas, as I have. You know, right. Some of us have played with developer betas, and we can talk about whatever Apple says on their site. But the way they're integrating iOS, the notification system, mm-hmm. seems to rate a big thumbs up. Of course, those using the Growl notification system that's basically an open source product on the Mac now. Maybe they'll go away once apps get with the program. But do you like the way that Apple is trying very much to follow the way it's done on the iOS in terms of notifying you of things? Yes, um, and that's because I'm a big fan of what they've done with notifications um, in the latest version of, of iOS 5. So, yeah, um, it, it's a convenient system. It doesn't get in your way, but it does let you know when items are coming in. I think that's fine. Now, I have made the suggestion in my column at TechNightIsle.com and on the show, and I'll give it to you the first time because you probably haven't heard it. I am suggesting that when Tim Cook and the people at Apple, the people he works with, take the stage at the WWDC in the keynote, they'll announce a release date for Mountain Lion, which will probably be July or August. I don't think it'll be ready to be released immediately, although I think Mm -hmm. new hardware will come out. You could maybe take it to the bank or we'll talk right after that. And you'll say, ah, you see, you got it wrong. Okay, I accept I might have gotten it wrong. I think it'll be out a month or two after that. There will be a final release candidate for developers to look at, which is going to be almost the final version for them to run through their paces. And then Apple will say, you know, what's going to cost? Zero. What do you think? You really think so? I think so. Um, I see lots of reasons because, number one, Apple doesn't need to make money from operating systems. They're already giving okay. you the iOS free every year. It's a new iOS free. Now, evidently, they're going to do that with OS X as well. Every year, there's a new version. It's free. One thing that makes it work is it allows people to have very little resistance to upgrade. As long as they have a Mac that's compatible and applications that are compatible, they'll upgrade. Heck, just download it, install. There you go. And the second reason above all, it's got to freak out Steve Ballmer at Microsoft. <laughs> because they haven't told us what yeah. Windows 8 is going to cost yet. Yeah, that really would, that would be funny. Uh, when they announce the price of that, I'll, I'll have to tune in to see how he justifies that if Apple does go with the free delivery. 
Um, you know, I, I, I think that does make sense because it, a lot of people have come to the Mac now from iOS where they are used to getting the operating system for free. So if they just come over to the Mac and find out they have to pay $130 or whatever they've paid in the, or done in the past, then uh, that might put off some of the Even twenty nine ninety nine might be expensive. It. Why are we doing that? The yeah. iOS is free. Why are we getting that? Okay, we have Kirk Heiner, editor-in-chief of AppleTel.com, and that is AppleTel.com, the check on the work from him and the people he works with. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. 
Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. And we have Kirk Heiner, Editor-in-Chief of AppleTel.com. Go to AppleTel.com to see more of the things that he does. And we've been making some predictions about Mountain Lion, what Apple's going to do. Do you think all the new hardware is going to be introduced by the 11th at the keynote? Yeah, I think there will be some good hardware, yeah. Um, I'm looking for a uh, Mac with a retina display. It's the one that I think will should probably service. That's interesting. One of the arguments that some might make against a retina display is it really increases the cost of the product. And they're talking about for a 15-inch retina display, it'd be about $100. For a 27-inch retina display on the iMac, it's going to be, what, two or $300 because it's not a linear progression in terms of costs. And the question is here, are there manufacturing techniques that can churn out affordable 27-inch flat panels? I'm not sure we would see that in the near future on the iMac. Um, I think it's more likely on the MacBook. I think, especially for a lot of people who are used to looking at the iPad, it's easier to make a correlation between the MacBook and the iPad. So being able to see the screen, like a jump from the iPhone to the iPad, the next progression to the MacBook makes sense to me. And that just would look so nice. And the way the screens look to me, I guess I'm now spoiled by the retina display. And I look at anything else, it's like watching an old VHS tape to me so I'm, I'm hoping that it does happen and besides which you know you're looking at the iMac from a foot or two feet away right. the need for a real retina display is not as severe as maybe on a MacBook or MacBook Pro it's a given though you think that there's going to be no optical drive anymore yeah yeah I think that's true and I'll be okay with that right of course Apple will continue to sell the external optical drive but how many of us bought um, like when they got rid of the got rid of the floppy how many of us went out and bought an external floppy drive? I did. I had oh, fl- did you? I had floppies. I had to do it. <laughs> to me, it was good riddance. It, 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 was, uh, it was me purging it from my system. Yes, I had to buy it. I had no choice. I had the floppies. But I only used them for a short period of time, long enough to copy the floppies onto the system and make CDs from them. Then yeah, I was and- able to ditch it. So I bought the drive, and it sat there for a year or two. And then one day I woke up and said, I'm not using this. So there you go. And people don't use the optical drive, I don't think, on their Macs that often with more and more software being available for download online. I mean, even the sprawling Adobe Creative Suite Master Edition, the $2,500 software, you can download a copy from Adobe. Yes, I did recently. Um, And I also think with, with the optical drives, people are more afraid of it before they lose it than they see how easy it is to adapt when it's gone. 
Now, with the retina display on the new notebooks, anything else that you think is going to change, or is it just going to be, well, the faster Ivy Bridge processors, and it's going to be otherwise about the same? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be the standard um, bumps that we usually get. I don't think that there's going to be a big marriage between the MacBook Air and the MacBook that some people have talked about. I, I see that. I think there will continue to be two distinct lines of products there. They'll be slimmer because of the lack of the optical drive, and Apple will use the savings yep. from that to partly fund. I guess you would agree with me. The cost of the Retina display. Yeah. Yeah, going slimmer is something that they normally do anyway. This will, of course, you know, give them the opportunity to go quite a bit slimmer, but uh, it's still going to have um, – it'll be geared with the, the power and capabilities and, and the features that uh, professional users would want. There's a story on your Apple Tell website. It's about a rumor copying Boy Genius Report, ah, and they're yes. only geniuses if they get it right. Otherwise, <laughs> we call them Boy Fools. But yeah. the rumor, Apple to unveil ITVOS WWDC 2012. My problem with that is if it's just going to be an operating system for an Apple TV, that makes sense. But Apple's not going to unveil an OS and then wait to introduce a TV set that goes with it if that's what it's for. And actually, I had a discussion with this with uh, Bill Steitler, one of the other writers at Apple Tell. He's not the one who posted that, but but he gave me a suggestion with this where – we think there will be a new OS for it, which will still kind of work with Apple TV as we know it, not not the, the rumored iTV, but Apple TV. What iTV is going to be is a new distribution system um, for television programming that will work with the Apple TV. That was Bill's thought, and I find that much more intriguing than the concept of, of a big Apple monitor that will service your television set. And they won't call it ITV for one reason. There is already a TV network in the U.K. Uh, called yes. ITV, yes. and Apple's not going to just buy that. It won't make sense. Right. You know, it could be called Apple TV iOS. Yeah, they could, you know, there are various ways they could, um, you know, muddy that up. Apple and, uh, TV OS. Up. Yeah. So they'll have something, but they're not going to buy that name. That name is too well established for too many years. I'm sure Apple has the cash. You know, Tim Cook can call the people who run ITV and say, okay, I've got $10 billion. I want the name. And they probably sell it to him, but I think the people in the Great Britain would not like it. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get something at least named here pretty soon so so we have something we can keep calling it. Online, I can put it in quotes, so so it uh, it causes less confusion. Can't do that here. Now, the other question, of course, will be, will Apple go the whole hog, and you sound skeptical, and make the TV set, make the screen, or just put everything in an Apple TV set-top box and just expand the offerings? Yeah, I think it'll be a set-top box. I don't think it makes sense for them to release an Apple TV hardware unit. They've already got the functionality that they need and, and you know, close enough with an operating system that they would be able to achieve what they want and let you use the television that you already have. And the other issue is here, of course, people tend to buy TV sets an average of every seven years. It's not like you buy a new iPad every year or two or a new iPhone every year or two or a new Mac every three or four years, seven years. Yeah, and I think a lot of us are accustomed to upgrading iPads and everything much more frequently. It's something that we look forward to. We want to see the features. But if I had to start updating my television every couple of years in order to take advantage of what Apple was doing with the software that's driving it, that that would just drive me insane. I don't think people would do it. Right now, they're having enough problems 
just trying to sell TVs. All the TV makers cutting prices, cutting profits, they can't sell what they have. It's not right. a market that has a growth potential. It's a saturated market. It's an appliance. Apple might as well produce a refrigerator or a toaster oven. Yeah, yeah, I think it would make, um, well, a little bit more sense than that. But, yeah, it's about as likely. Okay, I see it now. The Apple toaster oven refrigerator. <laughs> the iRefrigerator. I would like to see what the app developers do with that, what, what they would be able to put on my toast. Well, yes, especially if you toast a bagel. Well, they have those toasters that will, like, burn the logo of your favorite sports team into the side of the toast. So maybe they would uh, be able to burn in my name or I could put messages. People would be able to propose with a piece of toast. So, for example, you could have an apple tell bagel, cinnamon raisin. Exactly. Every day the, the headline, the, the biggest headline on apple tell in the morning would be delivered to you right on your bagel. That's right. You make arrangements with the local bagel bakeries in cities near you. And they'll sell official Apple Tell bagels. Of course, to go with the bagels, you can even have custom cream cheese. How about that? I think it's great. And if you don't like bagels, it could be bread. Okay. If you don't like bread, it could be Diet Coke with custom labels. Anything you want. I think with an idea like this, you and I should be the ones to uh, interview Tim Cook next year. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, I've interviewed presidential candidates in my lifetime, interviewed U.S. senators. I've interviewed government officials. I've talked to Phil Schiller. I met Steve Jobs a couple of times. You and I will mm -hmm. volunteer to interview Tim Cook, and he's going to get the interview of his life. You know, we're not going to give him the softball questions that, you know, oh, no. Walt Mossberg will give him. No, not that kind of stuff. We're going to ask him the hard, difficult questions that maybe he doesn't want to answer, therefore he won't do it. How do we learn more of the things that you do? Well, you could visit me at AppleTel. You could also follow me on Twitter. Um, most of the conversation there is about Apple-related products, so it would still be relevant. That's uh, at Kirk Heiner. Really, that's probably the two best ways to reach me. There's always something being posted there, and you can um, always something interesting to follow at AppleTel. We, uh, we run the gamut of Apple technology. You can find us at TechNightOwl.com. Once again, that's TechNightOwl.com. On Twitter, we are TechNightOwl. So you can find us there as well. We have a second radio show for you to check out. It's called The Powercast. It's all about things that go bump in the night. And this week, speaking of going bump in the night, we're going to be talking about the amazing, incredible, frightening Highgate Vampire. And that's the Highgate Cemetery in the UK with David Ferrant joining us. Special thanks to Kirk Heiner. Thank you for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you very much for having me. It's a good time. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.